Hey, Mark. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Again. Welcome to the D-Web podcast. Back again is Rob, and we're going to be discussing data structures. Okay, cool. So are we skipping intros today? Because pretty much always, every time, it's just like, Rob, introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Rob. I'm a programmer. <laughs> Sounds good. We're all programmers here into distributed systems. So what, Rob, for you is currently the distributed crisis you're going through? <laughs> crisis? Uh, hmm... Well, I've been thinking about the, the um, results of what we worked on um, last time, and I was starting to think that maybe for my goals, maybe it makes more sense to just use an atomic list of the uh, IDs, or the, so the IDs of the, the gun node IDs, if that's the correct terminology. Just stick all those into an array, which is then, as I understand it, stringified, and we write that as a single uh, entry in the database. And then for each person who wants to modify that, it's their job to load each of those. Uh, I suppose we have to loop through the array and do a get on each, unless there's another approach that I don't know of. Uh, and this kind of gives us some, well, out of the box, it gives us all of the, your, your standard JavaScript array API uh, methods, which is sort of what I'm looking uh, to achieve because I want to build a framework for React developers and I know that array methods are going to be what people want. Yes, so that's perfectly possible. Now let's walk through the different trade-offs. So is your list ever going to be larger than a few million items? Yeah, probably not. Okay. Is it always going to be smaller than a thousand or ten thousand items? Probably the limit is somewhere around a thousand because I'm imagining that this is um, I'm thinking of some use cases I see at work and we typically have things that are in the order of like 50 to maybe a couple hundred and we paginate those results. Okay, so if you have an atomic array the array with all of the references inside of it has to be loaded in one go, which should be fine even for the larger numbers. Um, people load images all the time and images are large uh, objects. And then you could, based off of the atomic length of the array, easily do pagination because you know the total um, set and then you only load various ranges based off of the IDs inside of there. Um, another piece is how many people are gonna be writing concurrently to that array. Oh, uh, well, I was imagining that this is, you're typically going to have small groups, probably under 10 people. Okay. So it's, so it's uh, just to add some more background for the viewers, I'm thinking of um, a collaborative system where, uh, yeah, groups of people are uh, getting together, but the groups are, are typically small. This is not like a, a big public list where lots of people are like a forum of some kind. Maybe list a couple examples of this particular um, data structure where you're seeing it being applied in application level. Um, well, previously we we're just listing people. So if we were to go with people as an example, then maybe you would have a company and you would have 
perhaps some application, which is some sort of HR application. You need to list people in the company and they need to be grouped. So then you have these different lists of people by their grouping and people can be moved out of one list into another. That was one thing that I sort of thought about. It's not really, um, you know, for my use case, I'm thinking of um, what I want to build long-term is something where scientists work together and maybe this would be uh, records uh, that they, they want to, uh, logs that they information they want to they want to organize but that's that's a much more vague idea i'm not actually sure what i'm targeting there well, scientific data could get pretty big pretty fast um company sizes though are i mean even some of the largest companies right are, are, it's like a hundred thousand employees is there, is there how many companies have over a million employees i i have no clue um i think google's between 100 and 200,000. And I suppose could would it even work to limit the length of the array if you want to make it easily easy to handle is just like chunk it into groups of a hundred so that you can then just keep tacking on. Yes, that was actually originally one was going to be one of the first default list types, but then I found some tricks that I realized were a little bit easier than doing that. Um, but I want to go back really quickly and ask a next question. So there's not going to be a ton of people editing this list. Does the list have to be in order? Yeah, I think that, well, maybe we, we need to talk about what you and I both mean by in order. This is one of the things I was realizing from our past conversations is that I'm not really certain that I actually know what I mean by in order. Generally, what I think of when I say something's in order is that uh, the I put something into order, and then if somebody is going to make some changes to that, then I can see maybe there's a record of the history, so I know that they inserted something into it. Either that or uh, perhaps we're working on a system where we only allow things to be added to the end, uh, but even that doesn't really seem like there's, so uh, before we started recording, you were talking about financial uh, records and that's okay. the thing is, yeah, this is not, so this is not a, uh, a balance sheet. We don't need to be maintaining an accurate balance. And so it's not a blockchain. Yes, that's good. Cause going down the blockchain route or financial route gets complicated very, very quickly. Happy to discuss it, but it, Whenever you can avoid that, you should. And honestly, as I mentioned in the chat room, I can't think of any use cases where guaranteed, strictly, strongly ordered lists are needed other than financial context. So back to um, what ordering means, the dot set um, command and gun will automatically create an ID for you and then use that ID and just perform a regular put operation. So you can think of dot set as a proxy for doing dot get random ID dot put the thing that you want. There is some more nuance to that. And I've wound up realizing I could change one property and get some really nice behaviors, which is rather than having the ID, the IDs be random, I made it use guns state command, which for the most part proxies uh, a timestamp, but it, will have additional information. Like if you're writing more data in a single millisecond, it'll monotonically increase the timestamp. And 
if you're running a thing called NTS, network time synchronization, it's like NTP, but fully decentralized. If peers are online and they're running NTS, they will actually sync their clocks. And so the clock that gun.state gives back will actually be the synchronized clock, not necessarily the local clock. And with that one um, change from dot sets behavior of random IDs versus you know, roughly timestamped ordered IDs, you pretty much get um, in order uh, inserts into a list because you're always able to use that ID to sort on um, if necessary. And then when you combine it with other data structures called a radix tree, you can actually traverse and paginate through that list by um, looking at chunks of time and then only reading that particular chunk or streaming through it. So there's a lot of different algorithms and data structures and trade-offs that I just talked about in two minutes. But each one of those things has about three to 10 other things underneath them. So I'm gonna stop there. Gotcha. So the next thing I was thinking was um, in contemplating whether or not I should use an atomic list of just IDs, then I started wondering if I was really just trying to reinvent the wheel because I don't know how SAT works under the hood. And the other thing I don't know or have, like what I haven't been, what I haven't seen when going through the documentation is do I have the ability to do things that I expect with a standard JavaScript array, like insert into the middle or splice or um, unshift um, index of these sorts of things. So in the case of listing people at a company, I would argue is yeah, very different than an atomic array because when you're listing pe people at a company, you're really wanting a quick way to traverse or scroll through the users. Unless you're doing some sort of ranking algorithm where you're stating this is the most profitable salesperson, um, how they're ordered in that list is less important. Another component that I didn't mention, and, and I'm not saying uh, atomic arrays are bad, they're perfectly a way to go, we're just discussing different options, is that even if the list itself is not ordered, if it's you know, small enough, there's only 100 people in it, 1,000 people in it, and you plan on loading the whole thing, um, or even if you're only loading a, a portion, but there are some error cases there, is you can have on each record, so each, let's say, person at the company, each salesperson at the company, a property called rank. And that rank property could be, you know, one through 100. Now, even if you are loading the data in any particular order, you're still rendering it to screen based off of the explicit rank. And this is great when you want to actually have an interface where users are able to drag and drop the order of things. Because if there's only 10 items, it doesn't really matter the order in which you load them. You just load them all as fast as possible. And then on screen, you sort them based off of the rank. And now when somebody drag and drops it, rather than having to resave the list again and again and again for each particular order, all you're doing is modifying one property. And that one property is then resulting in the UI updating. And that's much, much, much more efficient. So 
there's many different many different ways to do lists. Um, and it, and a, an atomic list is the right way to go, depending upon certain situations. For people at a company, it really kind of depends. So if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly is that client side, we read rank the rank property and we use that for sorting. Is that right? Yes. So if we do have a long list and we're trying to paginate it, then we do pretty much have to load everything before we can paginate. Right. Right. So if you are trying to reduce the amount of data that a particular device has to load, then that means you have to have a data structure such that data structure has cached or indexed that order such that then the, the weak device is able to use, is able to um, traverse that data structure in a highly efficient manner. So now we're coming into a use case of like Google rankings, right? Is it's pretty trivial for Google to divide everything up rather than having each search um, have the millions of results on it. They can easily just chunk it into each page they happen to have the result for, and they just save a page as an individual object. Now they can update the page without modifying anything else, the millions of other records. And when you go to load it, you're at max going to be loading about 10 items, and that's going to be coming in in just one object, and then you render it out. Um, and of course, if you want an infinity scroll or go to the next page, you're then traversing that. Um, you don't have to load all millions of records before showing it in the correct order. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So, um, yeah, I'm familiar with uh, like when you when you when you said index right then it clicked for me. I'm recalling back how, for example, Elasticsearch works. So you specify the property that you want to use as your index, and I think Firebase does the same thing. Uh, and then it's going to go and produce an index for you, which of course you pay the cost up front, and then and then it's much easier to read that quickly afterwards. So then my next question is, for us to, to do this in GUN, does, um, is there a library that exists that allows us to do this, or is there a feature in GUN I've never seen before? Like, what, you know, should I start implementing it today? What, what should we do? <laughs> this is a really exciting thing about GUN for me. Um, when I moved from kind of collection-based databases with Mongo or SQL databases, is that their default interface is to do, is to write a lookup that performs a table scan. Now underneath SQL and Mongo aren't actually gonna do a table scan, they're gonna index it. Um, so you get back very quickly the result that you want. But the way that people interact with their databases um, naturally tends them, uh, results in them writing queries that are not very performant, even if the database is fixing underneath. In GUN, the default lookup is key value, kind of like with Redis. So that means the lookup is O1. And that's extraordinarily fast. It's not O-in compared to a lot of the other systems. However, the unique thing about GUN is because it's a graph database, Neo4j, it would be possible to do this as well. However, their query language is not useful <laughs> with, this, uh, with respect to um, uh, doing O1 lookups. Underneath, they do index. So rolling back as the, the cool thing with GUN is because it's a graph database, you can index anything anywhere in the graph, no matter how deep you are into a document, no matter how far you are into a table, and you can load the thing directly. And you can have multiple indexes. So 
to compare against other databases, you're oftentimes having to feed those databases a particular column or property that you want to index on, and it's going to produce that one index. And then they have things like secondary indexes that become a lot more complicated. But none of that stuff exists in GUN because everything is an index. So that means you can take this, a, a list of records and index it five different ways. Now, that will technically be five different nodes that have that different order on them, but they're all pointing to the same stuff underneath. Um, so that was a long answer, but the, the sweet, short answer to your question is yes. Um, just doing gun.git put is an index. Okay, so, so gun indexes every property, right? No. Um, if I save a person and there's age, name, etc., and I save that to some username as the, the key, then age and name um, have not been indexed for two reasons. First of all, it's pretty easy that you could just do, um, you, you just take that gun reference and then you do gun.git uh, names dot get james dot put that record that you just saved but you'll very quickly realize there are some properties right like name that are not unique so rather than putting the same record into name each time you actually want to turn that into a list so that way now you have a list of all people named james and then that's left up to a developer to do they can decide which properties that they want to index, and then they just iterate over um, those things and save the, uh, the, the gun reference that they just made um, back into those indexes by doing .set or some other data structure. Okay. Um, so tell that maybe you're a little bit confused. Yeah. Um, well, maybe, we need to, maybe we need some like actual code to to go through it though. So that's what one thing I was thinking is like, could we easily do an example? Yes. All right. Shall I switch over to the editor? Sure. I I still am gonna try my best to to describe everything from an audio standpoint. Yeah, of course. All right. So we are sharing screen and uh, this should be the code from our well no, this is uh, so I've worked on this since we last spoke. I, it made me lose your video. I'm not quite sure what happened. Mm. Let's see here, it says recording, it says I'm sharing. I see your face. Try a right click, it might be pinned. Can, you, can you try exiting and then your, oh. oops. So we're so... Wait, now, now I lost your video. Don't exit the actual yeah. conference. No, I just stopped sharing. Okay. Stop sharing your screen. Now I can't even see anything. Oh, so we are recording, though. So that's... Oh, oh, oh. there we go. Okay. Now, shall I try sharing? Um, I think I have it working now. So sorry about that. No worries. There we go. We good? Yes. Great. Let me just uh, real quickly make sure that 
uh, we're current. Pre oh yeah, I just cloned this, so we are 100% current. All right. Um, yeah, so we've got some data here, and uh, the previous thinking on this strategy was that um, we needed to have some cached values, um, or cached basically pre, um, if somebody goes and pushes some data to this array, then we update this to be correct. And so then we can always just do a quick read. But it sounds like uh, there are some things about gun that um, I didn't know and I'm basing this off of, you know, not knowing. Well, again, the goal of gun or at least with any graph database, should be that developers do not have to bend over backwards to get their data to fit in the database. Now that being said, gun is very unopinionated, right? It's very easy to sh shoot yourself in the foot if you don't know what the best data structure is. So um, it is always useful to have a framework and a set of data structure tools with the use cases, as you've talked about in the chat room, that it's easy for developers to say, yes, this is a use case that I need, and then they just pull that module, uh, rather than having to uh, learn <laughs> data structures and discuss them like we are. So I do wanna make sure that I don't confuse you, is the example code that you had for linked lists is one particular use case. And us switching over to talking about indexing all the things is a very different use case than necessarily linked lists. Not that you can, um, you, you, sorry, you can use both of them in conjunction. It's just that the same things we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be talking about now does not apply to the same things as before. Sure. Okay, so here's quarter, um let me, let me first explain what sort of the, I've, I've applied, I've conceived of and applied some conventions that I think I should explain. First of all, last time we worked on this, uh, you mentioned a namespace, which I, uh, then going back and reviewing, uh, I recognize, so I, I think that is what you were implying, it, is that we should generally put all of our data under one shared name. Is that right? Generally speaking, yes. So because GUN is a peer-to-peer -peer or decentralized database, it assumes that everything exists in a global namespace. And so if two different application developers wind up saving the same um, record, John and John, if their users ever happen to connect to each other, even if they're from different applications, uh, GUN will sync those things and merge them together. So in order to avoid that, there's two options. A, you only run your own private network of GUN and you make sure that it never connects to any other peer ever. Um, I don't actually recommend that route because most people will be doing that anyways, uh, but Gun, I don't know if you've seen in the chat room, has some pretty phenomenological ways of synchronizing information that seems impossible. And even though I've created Gun, there have been times that Gun has synced information um, between different devices that I do not know how it did it. <laughs> it was pretty cool, but not, not ultimately what I was uh, wanting. Um, 
and an easy way to make sure that you do not exist in the global namespace is to just save all of your application data under an application name, uh, like doing gun.git, um, your app name, and then everything else. That does mean you lose some indexing um, abilities, but you can make up for that later. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more because I'm not sure uh, what, what that means exactly. But um, going back to the conventions, uh, so we've got our namespace. So everything is, uh, when we, we say app, and we just use that to mean that all of our data within this namespace. And then um, collections. So I realized that uh, people, I, I don't think that people is actually a collection because people is the list of all people that exist in my database, whereas collections are subsets of things. So we currently only have people, but if we had other things, they could maybe be listed under type that they are. And then um, our collections could be, uh, could contain any of the things in our database. Now we've got lists here, but this should be linked lists. And then uh, lists here. We just need to update this. So while you're updating that, you I'm going to take the example you have here with people's names, okay. uh, with, with people's records. And mm -hmm. it is true, actually, you would want to put um, all users into a collection. I don't know what, I don't know if you're using collection in a specific way, because you might want to just map over all users. That may not necessarily be useful, but a base way to do that. You then secondarily might want to have a collection of all users with the name John and then you can map over those people. You might want to have another collection, which is uh, all users with the name Bob. And over time, what you're doing is effectively creating um, multiple different indexes for the same records that exist in your database, but you can access them through different O1 lookups. So if somebody types in John um, in a search bar, all you have to do is a load um, collections dot by first name dot uh, John and you get the exact results back in one go. Um, and you, well, I should say that loads the collection. You then still have to load the, the, the actual people inside of those records. And the sweet thing is John also has a last name. And so if somebody types in by last name, like say Smith, They'll also load John, and John will be inside of that collection. And this is what uh, document-based databases can't do, is because the doc, the the record has to be in one spot. But with the graph database, you can have the entity, the person, John, in multiple different collections, and that's how you index. Okay. Um, should we? Should we? Uh, can we try doing an example with it? I can yeah. comment out some code. Um, it might be easier just to start a new file, but yeah, we can totally do that. Uh, shall we just reuse some of our data? Sure. We'll just go like this, and I'll take out the collections. Um, In this case, I probably recommend uh, doing it individually, and for readers who are listening a really great article that you can find online 
is, let me pull up the, the name of that. Yes, is gun.eco slash docs slash graphs with a capital G. Um, and that will kind of do something similar to what we're about to work on. Okay, so we've got some data and we've got a, uh, got an instance of gun. Sweet. And we want to do uh, some of these uh, indexes. It kind of sounds to me like you're describing an index that I would call ad hoc, as if like we can just get this index when we, whenever we need this. Does that sound right? Well, the index is created at insertion time, not mm -hmm. at read time. Okay. But um, certainly, it could be ad hoc at insertion time, but. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, maybe we can put some things here that we can use to use for, for our indexing. So I went ahead and added title. Perhaps we could put age. And I'll just uh, stick in some numbers here, and then we can update this. What would be, uh, if you can think of any other examples? It's probably good to have each name be a first and last name um, stored in a single string. So that way, we can index off of uh, both first and last. So the data that we have in front of us is there is John Doe, who's VP of Sales, age 25, Alice Harper, Bob Jones, Mark Nadal, and Rob Christian. <laughs> He's right here. Those and what we're <laughs> doing, 27. What we plan on doing is then indexing this information such that we can pull up only the subset of data um, that we want. And this is called tagging in graph databases. Okay. Um. And now that it reminds me that it's called tagging, there is a library called um, gun tagger that uh, handles a lot of this. That's very kind of you to have my title. There we go. All right. For, for those who are listening, we, we gave Mark the title of genius and Rob the title of uh, student. Well, a student is really the one who teaches the, <laughs> the, the teacher. So. Okay, so, we, so you were mentioning tagging while I was typing, uh, which, um, so, so is this a library? Is this a... Uh, I would have to pull it up. It's about one and a half years old. Um, it should still work, I think, and hope, but um, we'll kind of just be explaining the, the basics of it here or, or the concepts behind it. So the first thing, and it would probably have been easier to do it as a whole, is let's give a unique index to each person that we can control. Um, okay. So I know that you are passing everybody into people, but for the sake of, well, sure. Does this work? 
Yeah, it's just going to be harder for us to talk about. So what I was going to say in line 41 is just manually calling gun.git a unique name that's human friendly and readable for us to talk about on call. Did you say on line 41? Yes. So rather than importing the data, manually saving each reference. So mm -hmm. basically saying ver john equals gun.git, um, a unique ID for john dot put person one that you have him labeled as. Okay. And, and that would be at the very top level of the graph. And the reason why this is, is somewhat important is because um, this is the O1 lookup that we have to John without having to go through the people's list. And then we're going to take this gun reference and, and save that gun reference to the other lists. So um, let's just give, make up an alias or username for each of these users. How about Johnny1? And then dot put cdata.people.person underscore one. Okay. And at the very beginning of that, do ver John equals. So that way we have a, a, gun, a gun reference to that. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. At the beginning, the beginning line of 37, um, where you saved. Yes. Do an equals. Yeah. Okay. John uh, equals. Do John? Yeah. Just how it's easier for us to talk about. Okay. Okay, now just uh, duplicate that five times for each people that we have. And um, let's say Alice is um, Alice 25, I, I don't know. <laughs> let's just make up uh, nicknames for each of these people. Okay. You want to do um, one at the end of each? Sure. Let me... We don't have to, um, yeah. I just don't want people to think that implies some sort of uh, ordering though. I, I, I'm just using one as in if a username is on the website, sometimes people add their, their birth date or age to it. Okay. Uh, I'm not implying anything with it. Now we have one, two, three, four, five unique references to the individual people. John, Alice, Bob, Mark, and Rob. Okay. Now there's gonna be a bunch of different tables or collections we wanna add them to using traditional um, vocabulary. The graph vocabulary is actually, well, rather than adding them to a table, we can think of it as just we're tagging them with a particular label. Both work, they're both the same thing. So now do gun.git, um, let's, let's have another student in the list. Um, why don't you either change the CEO to be a student or, oh, or, or add a new person. That's fine. Sweet. So now let's do gun.git students dot set Rob and then copy and paste that line again and swap the second Rob, Rob for um, Bob. So now we can do a gun.getstudents.map.on and we're only going to get the students. 
rather than all users. So it's going to get to students.map. Yeah. And if you want, you can do dot open or just dot, um, dot once, but dot once won't actually load the product. I think that we, uh, I think that there's a bug right now with, um, with open though for map. Yeah. I was meaning that on students as a whole, not on map. There is a bug currently. Yes. With dot open after dot map. Yeah. Either way, whatever, um, I'd probably just keep sticking with the dot map dot once. That will give us each student. Now you can do open. Sure. Do we have it included? Uh, no, but I can go grab it. Okay. Uh, actually, we do have it included. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So now let's do um, something else. Let's make. Let's add. Um, can we make? Person three, Bob Jones, actually have a last name of Christian. Sure. Might be very confusing to have a Bob Christian and a Rob Christian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here comes my cat. <laughs> He'll probably be back. Cats are great. <laughs> All right. So now let's go down to the very bottom of the line uh, of the file. And we had previously done gun.get student, set Rob. Uh, set Bob. Now we're going to do gun.git last name. Right here. Uh, sorry, okay. at the very, very, very bottom. So a new line. Sure. Uh, yeah. Gun.git um, last name slash Christian. Is it inside of here like this? Um, I'm sure. I, I, I use usually like slash to delineate, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but so whatever delimiter you want to use. Now uh -huh. do dot set Rob, and then copy and paste in dot set Bob. Actually, we should have, I'm, I'm ruining this. Can we go back to Alice and make Alice's last name Christian? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people with my last name here. I bet that's true in real life too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it, uh, surprisingly is. Okay, so then now do we want to yes, add her to the last name set. So now we've basically tagged um, Rob and Bob as students, and we've tagged Rob, Bob, and Alice as having a last name of Christian. And we can run the exact same command to read that data like we did for students, except for with gun.git, last name slash Christian, dot map, dot once, or dot open if you want to load everything in one go and the sweet thing and we kind of talked about this uh, before is that the records that are returned to you are not going to be duplicates of rob and bob and alice they're they're going to be the same thing so now it's pretty easy to start abstracting this concept where you write a library that iterates over each property that a person might have. And it's probably better to have this as a schema and you in that schema specify which properties are unique and which properties you want to index and um, also have like an index namespace if that is useful. Uh, sometimes it's not. And rather than manually doing gun.getstudents.set these people, gun.get last name slash Christian dot set these people, you wind up um, just 
calling some, your own application save function, right? And your save function then automatically has these, you know, seven different indexes that it does inside of that one function. And now you reuse the save function rather than guns um, commands. And over time, as you save data into your, into your application, um, your data is just getting automatically indexed for all variables based off of your schema. So now I, I just jumped lightning <laughs> steps ahead. Um, but you can see what we're doing is pretty procedural at first, but it's very easy to automate. And that's how you start creating things like full text search engines and, um, you know, search by first and last names. Full text is a little bit different. There's a slightly different technique, but it, it's using the same principle underneath. Okay, interesting. Are these disposable? What do you mean by disposable? Let's say we create one of these, and then we decide that we uh, don't want one of them anymore. Can we, can we take this node and point this to something? One technique I had seen is somebody points it to a node that's like um, a, null, a null object in our database as a way of saying like, there's nothing here anymore. So uh, if we're trying to, if somebody's name has changed and we want to get rid of them from an index, um, is there a way to like get rid of the index itself? Yeah. What if we want to get rid of the index? Do we have the ability to do that? Um, because you have put everything actually, no, you're calling gun.git, which is top level. Um, if it's at the top level, no. <laughs> um, if you swap out all those guns with app, yeah, you can then tr do basically gun.git app name.git index put null um, because now your indexes are sitting at one layer deep. But I do want to note is that does mean underneath, I think every one of these records is going to get a hidden random ID, which is fine. It just means that there might be one extra hop in the lookups. So this, uh, I just want to make sure I get this down. You were saying, gun.get, so we have our index, or in this case, it's app.get, followed by our, our index name. And then what was the, was there another command you mentioned? So let me look at your code. Um, for the people, let's keep it as is. For all of the indexes, like student, no, that, uh, that's, that's good. That, that's all you needed to change. Perfect. Cool. Now, because the index itself does not sit at the root level in gun, um, the index will have internally a hidden ID. And on your app, your app will be just a node in the, in the graph database that mm -hmm. then has those indexes underneath it. So another thing you might want to do, because then your app namespace is going to get polluted, which is fine. You might want to do app.getindexes.getstudent. Um, but that all depends upon how you want to structure things. A simple example here is just do uh, app.once, console.log, and you'll see everything that's inside of it. Um, for that one, you should probably call .open on last names. Okay. Oh, 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 sorry. 
uh, yeah, okay. Um, I was just going to skip to the end. Do we want to? The, the end should, you should get rid of last name Christian. You should just open up the app as a whole. Okay. Uh, the app root? Yes. Which I think is. Actually, this is already on app.cat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think all you need to do is get rid of the dot .git there. Oop. Yes, correct. Okay. And now that's going to load everything underneath because of .open, but that's fine for at least um, demonstration purposes. All right. Let's give it a shot. Uh, I need to do a, uh, I didn't uh, install after clone. Oh, we, uh, we should have turned off optional dependencies that way. <laughs> C doesn't have to build the cryptography libraries. Uh, how do we do that? Shall I exit? Um, by the time we look it up and figure out how to tell yarn to, I think it's like dash dash no optional, but it's probably just going to be faster to let it build. Um, mm. Maybe not. I mean, I'm glad it st installs the optional. Um, no optional with probably, I think, a capital camel case optional. Really? I don't know. That's a quick switch. Did it work? Let me just uninstall no optional. No dash optional looks like you might be right. Okay. Had, yeah, I just hadn't recalled seeing any camel case options. Mm. But it looks like it's. Looks like it wants to build that. And roll the elevator music. I'm trying to remember where I. So well, maybe we should edit this out. What's up? some data structures while it's installing. Um, so we were discussing earlier a bunch of different types of lists, such as linked lists, loosely sorted lists, um, uh, chunked lists. Oh, and now it's running. Yep, go good. <laughs> Sweet. Yes, so now you see that your root level um, app has two records, uh, two two things underneath it, which is students and last name slash Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, you, it's totally up to you. Um, if you do want to structure things, you might want to have all of your indexes underneath, um, like app.get indexes, and then students and last name slash Christian underneath there. But it all depends upon how you want to organize things. Okay. So once again, same thing like last time, we see that the exact same record shows up multiple times. Now you can imagine in your application, in your UI, when somebody goes to type in the search bar, um, let's say it's search for a friend, and they type in Rob, um, or, or sorry, let's say search by last name, and they type in Christian, we can instantly give them the results back mm -hmm. with everybody that corresponds to that. Doesn't index also give us uh, ordering? And are we allowed? Are we able to do ordering, or do we need to do that client side for this? 
Well, so this goes back to our original conversation. If you're running something like Google, that might have millions of results. You have to choose how you want to structure that. The one that I've ultimately come to a conclusion with that I'm going to do is probably only index nine things at a time and have each object only have nine records in it. And in each one of those objects, they're sorted um, like one through nine possibly. So it's, a, it's almost like an object array. And then when somebody does a search result, they wind up typing in the thing. I pull up the first, I, I just pull up that first uh, page and then immediately display the results. There's some nuance there though, because, and, I, and this confused the living daylights out of me, autocomplete winds up having its own, how do I explain this? So while you're typing to search for something, that itself is a search result, but that result is different than the result for that search. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So what Google and DuckDuckGo and all these search engines have is several different indexes for the same value. And then as soon as you start getting into like uh, Google, where you might look at maps or shopping or flights or personalized search results for you, Google is actually creating a top-ranked search result for a particular uh, geographic tile for particular phrases. So that way when you're in Google Maps and you type in Jamba Juice and you're zoomed into the Bay Area, the top results for Jamba Juice is nested under the Bay Area um, coordinate space which is a separate search result than Jamba Juice on Google's homepage. So you can imagine this explodes like crazy and is why people use stuff like Elasticsearch. But the reality is it's pretty easy to build things like Elasticsearch if you just know, like index everything, index everything. Um, so just beware of when you, go to do full text search and these types of search systems, you're probably going to have multiple different indexes for the same exact phrase. Sorry, I muted myself while I was letting you talk there. Um, so we've got about five minutes left on our clock here. So we always go till six, um, even if we start a little bit late. Um, so real quick, I think I've got two things I wanted to do. So one is, um, are we able to do, are we able to do a uh, set one of these indexes to null and then see them go away? It's just, it's just a, I'm asking because this is a thing that um, I have been trying to figure out what is, I've, I've, I've read that some things can be deleted and some things can't. Yes. There's this so stones. At the very bottom of your file, do a set timeout by one second and then do app.getstudents.putnull inside of it. 
I can't remember. Doesn't the number go after the callback? The number is second. Yeah. You wanted uh, one second? Yeah. Okay. And so that then... we visually see it happen. And then do app.getstudents.put null. And then make sure that your, um, when we rerun the code here, mm -hmm. that everything's clean. Uh, so just delete the database before you rerun it. And what's going to happen is you're going to see app.open happen and show you students. And then app.open is going to get called again where students is nulled out. Uh, don't we need more code to call it again? Nope, that's it because app.open is uh, real time, like dot on, while oh. app.load is like dot once. Okay. There you go. Well, I'll be darn. Now, the reason why it's confusing, it's, it's a really simple heuristic if you just remember this is that. Um, Root level data in GUN has to be a node, or it has to be, for uh, regular language in JavaScript land, it has to be an object. Everything else can be primitives, nulled out, modified, it's just the root level. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, is even that one edge case is still a little bit annoying because everything else kind of has this beautiful continuity and um, symmetry to it, except for the root level, because technically underneath GUN is a graph database, so there is the graph, and then there are nodes, mm -hmm. and then there are um, the key value pairs inside of there. So there's only really three things in GUN, and that's it. Um, but obviously the, the graph level is a little bit different than the node level, even though most of the time you're traversing through, um, through nodes in a graph, and that root level um, can seem like it has have magical edge cases to it, and that frustrates me. So it's extraordinarily low priority, but at some point in the future, I will probably have um, it that if somebody saves a primitive at the root level of gun, like nulling something out or switching it to a string, it will just automatically wrap it in an object with some standardized default property that all of those things go to. And then that will make it easier for, uh, for, for people who let's say want to save a string or a number at the root level of the graph. I was actually thinking that maybe just a different name for the method might actually be good because it, to me it seems that the, at the root level, the concept is different. The object has a different na nature. There's, there's different constraints there. And so it makes sense to me that if you're going to have a database, you need a namespace, you could just make it a hard requirement. But um, that's just uh, my perspective. It's but a good idea. It's actually, <laughs> how I started, it's actually how I started GUN. Um, Git only worked on the root. And then everything underneath it was called dot .path. And that was, I think, the case for two and a half or three years, or maybe even almost, almost, probably three and a half years. Um, and ultimately, I switched away from it because people having to learn that one extra API and know to call it differently was just a, a massive educate, like, you, you had to educate people. 
Mm-hmm. So now it's the inverse, which is you don't have to, you, all you do is you learn Git and put, and that's pretty much it. And it's uniform across everything, except for occasionally you're like, what, why did that not work? And then you come to the chat room and complain about it. <laughs> and I, I, I do full-heartedly agree with you. I've just found it's a little bit easier to have the default mode be uniform and then the edge cases um, as, as having to be taught rather than having to teach programmers how to use something um, first before they're able to do anything at all. Sure, sure. So um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was it sounded like you were referring to, um, so there's certain types of trees. I can't remember what they're called, but it sounded like you were talking about some of these sorting trees. Uh, Do you happen to remember some of the names? Uh, So the one that I use for everything is a radix tree. And there's a really cool visual of this that I've mentioned in other podcasts at, let me pull up that URL. Uh, gun.eco slash c as in like you see something um, slash radix.gif that's all lower case. yes correct yes radix uh, ix.gif yep gun.eco slash s-e-e slash r-a-d-i-x dot gif yep and it lets you store multiple records within a single, um, within a single, well, uh, within a single slot, and it's actually more compact because the data winds up um, being stored in the structure of the tree itself. So you have less repeat phrase. Um, I, I will leave it to another podcast that I did for people listening. If they want me to hear of the full explanation of a Radix tree, I believe it is the Radix DHT, the Radix DHT distributed hash table um, podcast. I think three or two episodes ago that you can scroll back to and listen and I explain it. Or you just look at the visual and you Google it on Wikipedia and you'll see some really nice trees. Sure. Other ones like B trees, binary trees, um, they are nice, but a lot of them wind up having O log in performance, which is actually insanely good compared to uh, things that existed before. While Radix trees have O one performance. Now there's limitations to, and, and O one performance means that it's instantaneous. While O log in means that it is going to take some time, but pretty short. And then O in means that it's going to take as long as there are items in the, li- in, in the list. And then O log in times two means you should go get a snack <laughs> and just wait for stuff. Yeah. Um, so there are limitations to the Radix tree in terms of certain types of data structures that can be saved, but you can get around those limitations by just saving multiple different Radix trees with different um, Radix indexes underneath those Radix tree indexes. So it's a Radix of Radixes. Okay. Yeah, I guess the, the thing I, I was uh, curious to know is, is to find out if these sort trees make sense as a type in gun, but um, maybe we can uh, 
start with this next time. Sounds great. We're a little bit over, so let's wrap up. Uh, Mark, this has been great. Uh, lots of food for thought for me to work on. And uh, I guess we'll see you in two weeks, right? Yep. And any last questions? Because we were a little bit scattered at first, and then we kind of reduced down to more of a full text search or indexed list search, which I don't know if that answered your original questions. Um, but any last questions in terms of do you feel good in terms of the conversation? Was there actual useful information here or was it too scattered and repeat and across the board? Well, it sounds like I need to spend some time using set to generate indexes. And um, I'm also going to take some time to review the conversation and look back over uh, some of the answers you gave. Because sometimes the thing is I'm a little bit distracted trying to both operate uh, whatever, write some code and also um, take in your answer. So um, let me just uh, think on it. And uh, if I have more questions, I'll follow up with you and Gitter. And then otherwise, we can discuss next week. Sweet. The next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, because I'll probably be gone in uh, Germany. So one last note here is, even though we are doing indexes with dot .set, that itself has uh, no particular order other than loosely timed sorted. Uh, or I shouldn't even say sorted, because your read might read out of order. So just because we have created an index and saved things with dot .set, that was mostly out of convenience, not necessarily out of ranking. So if you did want to have a strict order and ranking to each index, which is what Google does, um, that conversation is still open. <laughs> and it's the one that we started with, or one right. of the ones that we started with. Right. Thank uh, you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I, I think the indexes are, are pretty much probably the answer I was looking for. So I think my implementation is, the, the trouble is really in communicating what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. As with all programming, because it's a ton of different edge cases, and most edge cases sit with inside of a category that seem like it's just one thing, but not really until you zoom into the 1% <laughs> the of, of things. Yeah, totally. Well, great. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the DWeb podcast. Thanks again, Mark. All right, take care. Bye, everybody. You too. Bye.